Well, I'm going to have you have a seat, and I'm going to bring up a friend, Scott <clears throat> Mathis. He can go ahead and come on up. And actually, Dan, could you just wave? Because anyway, this is his wife, but I'll, I'll tell you more about them here in just a second. There's all kinds of ways you can try to describe a friend, right? <clears throat> you can say things like, uh, this guy's probably the most cowboy dude I've known outside of my dad. If you cut him, seriously, he would go, I mean, he's just like, no way, like, that's just crazy. That's one way to describe a guy. There's another way to describe a guy as far as just being intelligent, being a great leader. We can describe people that way. You can describe people also as people that, um, gosh, about their past and how much God has just redeemed them. And you're going to, I don't know how much he's going to share with you, but this guy was a total wreck. <laughs> <laughs> But he's now this amazing trophy of God's grace, which is so awesome, isn't it? But I think the way that I would describe him and die as well, the one thing I love about them is they love Jesus and they love people. And so I'm going to pray for him right now. And then I'm going to let him just get turned loose to bring you God's word this morning. So let me pray for us and we'll get going. Jesus, right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Would you open up your word to our minds and our thoughts and our hearts? And would you allow us to not leave here as the same people, please? I believe your word is so powerful and the Holy Spirit inside us, God, is so powerful that none of us have to leave here ho-hum. We can leave as changed and transformed people no matter where we're coming from. And so would you... Would you, through the power of your Holy Spirit right now, allow us to listen, have our eyes open, have our ears attuned, and would you guide and direct Scott how you'd like him to go this morning? In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Todd. Wow. You guys are led. You folks are led so well. Uh, We've just spent the last few days with your leadership team, and we just had a sweetest time uh, with the elder team and wives. Uh, And so I love being here at Cornerstone. As uh, Pastor Todd shared, I do have an amazing um, grace story. Grew up as a preacher's kid in a little tiny town in Wyoming. Had some things happen to me. Some of the church people didn't like my dad, so they were mean to me as a preacher's kid. Had some things happen to me sexually as a kid, and it just made me an angry young man. I hated God, and I hated Christians. Uh, Left home at the age of 14, and uh, ended up going to the University of Wyoming, majoring in history to disprove Christianity because I hated Christians. Uh, became a wretched alcoholic. Uh, met Di in a bar. Four days later, we moved in together. She ended up getting pregnant, and she wouldn't get an abortion. So I got drunk and said, well, let's just get married. And so, <laughs> so we ended up getting married. We hardly knew each other. It was crazy. It was literally crazy. And then we had this kid together and fought all the time. She was bulimic and I was a drunk. And, uh, and yet five years into our marriage, Di came back to her Jesus in just this radical way and began to live him out to me. And four months later, in March of 1990, um, I was driving down the interstate and I began to review in my mind that I couldn't disprove the historicity of Jesus Christ as hard as I had tried, that I couldn't, as much as I read the Bible and the more I read it, to disprove it and to prove to those whacked out Christians how full of errors it was. The book, the Bible, just had began to have this grip on me and the message of Christ in it was just gripping me and I said, I give up God. Uh, That was my salvation prayer, if you will. (laughs) I give up God. 
and, uh, and Jesus Christ changed my life that day and uh, rescued me and changed my heart towards die. And we fell in love five years into our marriage. And uh, then God, in this crazy set of circumstances, called us to pastor this little tiny church. And, and so now we've been in, uh, we pastored there for 19 years, and then we planted a church. And, and then um, God asked us to become the president of the Berean Fellowship of Churches. So we travel around encouraging God's people, helping local churches get back into the business of recognizing that there are thousands and literally millions of lost people that need to hear the gospel and need to see it lived out in local congregations. Like, there are so many people that should be here this morning, right? All of you have these circles of influence of people who are unchurched and don't know Christ, who need to be here this morning and be, become a part of the living hope of the world, the church of Jesus. And so, but, so what happens so often, though, is that there are so many people who are Christ ones, who truly have, have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, and yet somehow, some way, they, the, the, the power of Christ just doesn't manifest itself in their everyday fabric of life. And there are so many Christians that are so bound up to addictions. There are so many Christians who are so governed by their family of origin issues that they never seem to break completely free from, from, from some of the things that bind them. You know, I love cars. How many of you drove a car here today? <laughs> you know what every car has? A transmission Have you ever thanked God for transmissions? I mean, think if they had only invented the engine with no way to transmit the power from the engine into the wheels of the vehicle. You'd still be sitting in your driveways going, wee, wee. But because there's a transmission, right? It transmits the power of the engine to the wheels. This morning, I want to share something that one of my mentors taught me early on as a Christ one that has helped me, this pagan guy who had tons of junk in my life, right? Like, I've seen and done things not good that has allowed me to transmit the power of Christ into my everyday life. And it comes from learning to identify what are, what's going on in our head. And so this morning, the spirit of the living God, there's been too much prayer for this service. There's been too much preparation for God to work in every one of your heads today. And I want you to know and transmit the power of Christ into your everyday life. We're going to look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2, very key verse. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. You and I can be transformed into a new person by changing the way we think. What's going on in your head this morning? Don't tell me. I might get depressed. But 
Researchers have found, and just if you just read your Bible, you recognize that our thoughts are influenced by three distinct entities um, that are sometimes hard to sort out. But our thoughts are influenced, number one, by our sinful self. We have this sinful, selfish nature inside us, right? Romans 8, 5, and 6, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. We'll return to this passage a little bit later. But I want you to see in here that your thoughts can be greatly influenced by your sinful self, your sinful nature or the flesh, okay? And we have to learn to identify if our thoughts are coming from our sinful nature. Secondly, our thoughts can be influenced by Satan's society. We live in this fallen world that the Bible teaches that Satan is the God of, little g God. In fact, it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. There's this residual effect for all of us believers who live and were governed by the little God of this world and Satan's society and his society affecting our mind that carries over into the Christian life. So not only can our thoughts be influenced by our sinful self, but also by Satan's society. And that is why for some of you who are here this morning, and I'm not going to assume all of you are believers in Jesus Christ. I asked a lot of you on your way in. Some of you are like, huh? Well, yeah, I'm a Christian. Like, why wouldn't I? Well, you know what? The Bible never assumes, as I read scripture, the Bible never assumes that a gathering like this, that everyone is a Christian. And, and for some of you this morning, you're just sitting here thinking, this is so whacked out. You know, maybe your mommy drug you here or your spouse or your grandma or something. And you're just, you're just thinking, this is whacked. This is ridiculous because Satan, the God of this world, has blinded your mind. But maybe today, even as I'm preaching, all of a sudden your mind begins to change. And you recognize that you need to turn from your sin and Satan and society and turn to the only Savior that can save you. Maybe the Savior is going to open up your mind today. But maybe you're a believer here. And quite honestly, if I could come live with you, I would have to be like, uh, well, I think they believe in Jesus. Because in reality, the everyday fabric of your life is not governed by the power of Christ. It is governed by Satan's society and your thought life of um, those wicked things and your sinful nature. But praise God, the third entity that can influence our thoughts is our Savior. Number three, our Savior. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16 says, For who can know the Lord's thoughts? The Apostle Paul is asking a rhetorical question here. Who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. When you and I came to faith alone in Christ alone, 
You and I, when the Holy Spirit came to dwell, indwell us, whether we were four or 40 when we got saved, when you trusted in Christ for your salvation, the Holy Spirit came to live inside us. We we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing our inheritance, the Bible says. And then we have the mind of Christ. Why could I study this Bible uh, before I was a Christian and mark it up and cross out things and put big question marks? But after March of 19, March 15th or whatever of 1990, when I said I give up God and the Holy Spirit came to live in me, I would open the, the Bible up and be like, oh, Jesus, you are real. You are my creator. You're my owner. You're my savior. You're my friend. Because I had the mind of Christ. Having the mind of Christ allows you to begin to understand the things of God. That's why if you're here today and you don't know Christ, this is just a bunch of crazy nonsense. And I remember that. I remember that. Before I was a Christian, I was just like, these Christ ones, they're just whacked. They're just crazy. They, they, they're singing songs about some Jewish dude who lived 2,000 years ago. And they just seem so enthused and excited. And they say he died, but he rose again on the third day. Yeah, right. But then, when God begins to work in your heart and you're born again by faith in the Lord Jesus, you begin to have the mind of Christ. Let's look at some other passages that help define what having the mind of Christ means. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Have you ever kept a thought journal? I did. I did. Every hour I would stop and write down what I had been thinking about the hour before. It's a really helpful exercise. A little discouraging at times. But seriously, what's going on in your head the majority of your time? Fantasy football? Sex? Shopping? Whatever the latest gossip is? What's going on in your mind? Have you ever taken and had the self-discipline through the Holy Spirit of like, I have the mind of Christ. I can begin to write down what's going in my head, on in my head for the last hour. I would encourage you to do that because we have to learn to take every cap thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We have to say, hmm, where's that thought coming from? Is that from my sinful self or Satan's society? Or is that coming from my Savior? And we have to. You want to transmit the power of Christ into your marriage? Into, into not being a glutton? Into not getting drunk tonight? Into to not looking at the porn? You better learn to transmit the power of Christ into your everyday fabric of your every life and your issues and your life dynamic by learning to say and identifying where your thoughts are are coming from. Romans 8, 5, and 6. Let's return to that passage. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. And let me tell you, there is. 
if your thoughts are mainly coming from your sinful nature, your sinful self, then your thoughts always bring death to intimacy with your heavenly Father and death to your interpersonal relationships. It just inevitably happens. And some of you are in misery today. Oh, I know you all look nice here in, in, in this building and you look like you all got it together. I know better and God knows better. You have issues. You have strongholds. You have stuff you can't ever seem to get over. And you need to accept that Jesus Christ through his spirit is here today. Knocking on the door of your heart saying, listen, you do not have to live in bondage. You can learn to grow up and learn to identify where your thoughts are coming. This death in your life in your interpersonal relationships, and in your intimacy with your heavenly Father is coming because you're thinking about the wrong things. But this verse in Romans 8, 6 closes, but if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honor and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth. What's going on in your head? I don't know if you know this. I probably shouldn't tell you this, but um, Pastor Todd discovered this new um, uh, computer program deal, and Billy, I think, helped with it too. But there's these sensors that they've mounted in each one of your seats this morning. <laughs> and when you sat down, it, it's, it's just amazing, new, this new technology. It downloaded every thought you folks have had for this last week and, and emailed it to Pastor Todd and, and Billy. He sent me that email. You guys are sick. <laughs> but imagine if that were true. In fact, team, go ahead and put that, those things up. No, I'm joking. Don't put them on the screen. But imagine if all of a sudden your picture showed up on that screen with all your thoughts for the last week. Gulp. 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 Folks, what's going on in your mind? Are you going to tr allow Christ to transmit his power into your everyday life? Philippians 4.8 says, Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. These are just a few verses. I could literally find tons more verses that talk about our thought life. And yet it is often neglected in the Christian church. It's often, this teaching is often neglected. And we don't, we, 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 we so many times don't learn to have the self-discipline through the Spirit to identify what's going on in our minds. So, let's look at seven keys to letting Christ control your thoughts. I don't know if it happens in, Cal, in uh, um, uh, see me, where, California, I forgot what state I was in. I don't know if it happens, but, in, but in, where I'm from, from Wyoming, and, and we live in Nebraska now, where I'm from, keys unlock locks. Have you ever noticed that really profound statement right there, huh? I, boy, you better write that one. Keys unlock locks. This cowboy spitting preacher. Keys unlock. But I want to give you seven keys 
this morning that will help you unlock some of the, the, the negative, whacked out thinking and thoughts you have. Okay, so quickly, let's just go through these. Remember, God knows what you're thinking, number one. Remember, God knows what you're thinking. Now, that depresses me at times. And we have to keep remembering that as believers in Jesus, we are clothed in his righteousness. Praise God. But God knows what we're thinking. That helps me. When I begin to get stinking thinking thoughts in my mind, I'm like, God, you know what I'm thinking, and I do not want to think that way. I want to take those thoughts captive and throw them out. I've already done it today. I've already had to do this today. Okay? It helps me to, to, to it unlocks some of the, 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 the ability to, to learn to have the mind of Christ when I'm, I'm like, God, you know what I'm thinking and it's not good right now. I want to change my thinking and you have the power to do that through Jesus Christ. Second key, we have to be in the word in prayer. Are you consistently reading God's word and praying and then we can't just do that as a checklist. Well, I said my perfunctionary prayers and read my verse of scripture for the morning. Thank you. But you need to memorize God's word. When's the last time you memorized a verse of God's word? You want to learn to take every thought captive? You want to learn to think about God's God? You want to find, transmit the power of Christ? You have to memorize God's word. It's just so healthy. It's just part of the fabric, I believe, of being a Christian. Diane and I have learned, we used to try to memorize a verse a week. Well, that didn't work very good for us because we forget them so quick. So now we take one verse a month and memorize it. 12 verses a year. I just write mine out on a little three-by-five card, and I just read it and read it. Now, can I remember all those verses if you asked me, like, what was July last year? I'd be like, but it helped me then. It helped, me ta- it helped my head then, and it'll help your head today. And then we need to meditate on God's Word. Memorize and meditate. Meditate means, well, I love cows. I'm a cowboy, Okay. Yeah, cows are, I'm so glad God created cows. I love just, they're just a neat animal and, and, and I love to rope them and I need to, I love just, I just love cows. And you know, I herd a lot of cattle back in Nebraska and I ride my horses. And, and have you ever watched a cow eat? Cows do not have any teeth right here on the front, on the top. And they use their tongue a lot if they're out on pasture to eat grass. And they just have these big old long tongues that, are, that God has, has made. They have these they're pretty rough. A cow's tongue is pretty rough, so they can grip, and they stick their tongue out and put it around some grass and jerk like this, and they chew it a little bit, and they swallow it. And they just go along, and they go, and they graze, and and then what's a cow do? They go and lay down, and when they lay down, they go, erp. And they throw up what they just ate back into their mouth and they rechew it. That's why cows are so amazingly at converting food, food stuffs. It's amazing how much a, a cow can, can, can um, get fat on. Because they get all the good out of their food because they throw it back up. It's called chewing the cud. Okay? In the Old Testament... When you see that word meditate, okay, 
Like in Psalm 19, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That, the Hebrew word for meditate, really means chew the cud. In other words, you and I take God's word in. We memorize God's word and then we bring it back to mind. We chew the cud. Now, some of you are like, the only thing I got out of this entire sermon was that, did you know that cows throw up in their mouth and ray chew it? If that's all you're getting, maybe you don't have the mind of Christ, right? (laughs) Thirdly, we have to learn, if we're going to have Christ control our thoughts, we have to live in authentic Christian community. That's why this church, I know this church well enough to know that they want you in a small group of authentic Christian community where you can learn to pray and memorize God's word and meditate on God's word together. Fourthly, you have to learn to control the media or it will control you. If you're living on Facebook, your mind is really messed up. If all you're watching is Fox News or CNN or whatever, or MSNBC or whatever, your mind is messed up. If you're watching junk in the movies, Your head is screwed up. The media affects our minds. And I'm not some legalistic dude that's, you know, I'll come back next week and let's burn our TVs and cell phones in the parking lot. But I am calling, we Christ ones need to be aware as people, blood-bought children of the Most High God who are commanded to live holy lives because God is holy, we need to be careful what we put in in the books or media and stuff we read and watch. Fifthly, the fifth key that I've found that helps me let Christ control my thoughts is biblically learning to deal with conflict. If you are not biblically dealing with conflict, and that's a whole other sermon, I'll come preach someday um, here on how to handle conflict biblically. I'm sure it's online somewhere, but please learn to biblically handle conflict. Number six, you you and I have to learn to replace our thoughts, not repress them. Like right now, would you please, not in your mind, please don't do this, think about a red delicious apple. You all just did it. You just thought of a red apple. You and I cannot not think. As people who are created in the image of God, we're thinkers. Well, most of us anyway. Some of you are still drooling down like, (laughs) but you cannot not think. That's why we can't say, I'm not going to think about that low down, dirty dog who took me in that business deal, that jerk. No, we don't think about him. We replace our thoughts, okay? Don't repress them. That's why it's so important to memorize and meditate on God's word. Another thing that helps me not go um, crazy is physical exercise. Number seven, physical exercise. I need, I have to exercise. After our little retreat deal that we did with your elders and they were such sinners, I was completely stressed out. (laughs) No, (laughs) just joking. Um, But I was empty yesterday. And, and there had been a time in my life where I had just like sat around and ate sugar and just watched TV or something. I knew that my thought life was going to get whacked if I didn't physically exercise yesterday afternoon. It's just for me, man, I need that. And, and, and I just think that's really important. That That's another key that lets you learn to let Christ control your thoughts. 
oh, I want to give you a bonus verse, okay? This is an awesome verse, Isaiah 26.3. This verse uh, throughout Christian history has been huge in Christian history. It's one that mommies have put, uh, written on little cards and put up around their houses for centuries, okay? Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep in perfect peace all those whose minds are fixed on you. What's going on in your head? Can you identify your thoughts? Yes, you should. Yes, you can in Christ. And you can learn to identify, oh, those thoughts are coming from my sinful nature coupled with the Satan's society. And I'm going to take them captive and I'm going to throw them out. And Jesus, Jesus, I have your mind. Through your spirit, I can choose what I'm thinking. And because I've internalized through memorizing and meditating on your word, I can think right. Folks, I have seen my life radically transformed by transmitting the power of Christ by learning to take every thought captive. I have seen people, mentally ill people, healed because they began in through the power of Christ to learn to think. It is amazing if we apply this lesson. So, like, seriously, how are you going to respond? And can I just stop right here just a minute? Does that 21 mean that I am 21 minutes over? Or, no, I'm still good? Okay, great. I was starting to like, oh, mercy. Okay, where was I? What was I saying, Di? Do you remember what I was saying? You don't remember either. She doesn't listen to my sermons either. <laughs> I know. How are, you, how are you going to respond to this sermon today? Like, seriously, I don't know about you, but when I have someone who I don't know preaches to me, I sometimes kind of check out. And I sometimes, like, I make it about the man, not the message that he preached. I, I, I kind of like, oh, I get this critical thinking going on in my mind. Over, but, but maybe, maybe God brought me here. And maybe God led me to preach this sermon because he wants you to have an encounter with him. And it's not the man here. All of a sudden, the message of God dialed in specifically to your stinking thinking is going to cause you to encounter both the holiness and then the grace of God this morning in such a way that you truly aren't just just doing a check-off list on a Sunday morning or some holy habit that you have, coming to some building in Simi Valley, California. But all of a sudden, maybe just maybe for some of you and should be all of you, but maybe, maybe this morning, you are encountering the living God of the universe in this way that says, oh God, I've made this so complicated and I forgot all about learning to take every thought captive. And my life reveals that, God. And I want to repent. I don't want to just play games with you, God. I, I really need you to Show me how to transmit the power of Jesus into the everyday fabric of my life. How are you going to respond this morning? You going to stiff arm God? You going to ignore the convicting, compassionate, 
work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Or are you going to say yes? You know, as the worship team comes back up and, and, and go ahead, you guys can just come back up. But as they come up, I think we sing like, don't, Taylor, don't we sing like one more song or something or two or something? Okay. Um, maybe, you know, one of the things I've discovered about my life is sometimes when I do something physically, it affects me spiritually. Do you know that? Sometimes when you do something physical, it affects your spirit. So maybe, maybe this morning, like God has gripped you with the, the unholiness of your thought life. And maybe physically, you need to come up here this morning and kneel at these stairs right in front of God and everybody. Or kneel down on these front stairs, uh, uh, chairs, I don't care. But maybe you need to come forward just doing something physical sometimes. Just and, 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 and there's no unique power in this necessarily, but there is a unique dynamic that throughout church history that people, when they moved their bodies, a lot of times it helped them cement some of the work of grace in their life. So if you need to this morning while we're singing these last two songs or five songs or whatever it is, and you need to come up and just kneel here, just kneel, it's okay. I know your elders. I just spent three days with them. They would come pray over you. They might even come and need to kneel themselves. But if you need to do that, will you? And if, and, and, and if you're sitting out there, will you not denigrate anybody who has the courage to do that? Would you not be critical of them, please? In fact, you ought to be really proud of them because some of you are, no. Some of you know you need to come and do something physical to affect yourself spiritually, but you're too prideful. And you're like, no, no, guest preacher, huh? uh And I would encourage you to humble yourself like that and just come if the Lord prompts you. If he doesn't, have freedom, okay? If the Holy Spirit isn't prompting you to come, don't come. Don't come out of guilt. Come because the Holy Spirit says, listen, you need to do something physical to affect yourself spiritually. God, for all those who are, who are being prompted, give them courage and freedom. Help them to see that it is a joy and a delight, that there is victory won through surrender. And sometimes we do have to do something weird from a, from a cultural sense. But, but when we physically get up sometimes and move, and it just helps us. So Lord, give your people freedom. Work in these precious, precious, incredible people. I love them, Lord, and you love them. Help us, O Lord, to learn to take every thought captive to the obedience of you, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.